We're going to kick off prayer this morning with just um, a moment of silence, not because we're mourning anything, but because we just want to situate ourselves um, in the reality of the presence of God in this place, uh, and not just in this place, but, but inside of you, okay? And so before we start talking at God or to God or listening for God, we just want to become aware of the reality of God in this place. So let's pray. God, we know that if we would just pause our activities, pause the noise in our brains, if we would just sit still long enough, we would realize that you are with us always. As the psalmist says, there is no place that we can go that you are not. And yet, sometimes you seem very far off. And when we have a moment of crisis, something that we need, then we begin to imagine you in that some far off place, and we begin to make our requests to you. And part of what you want us to realize is that You're right here, always. And so we enter into this space this morning, craving to see you, to hear you, to be moved by you, to become aware of that presence. to give our devotion to you, our worship to you. And it's going to get busy in just a second. We're going to sing more songs and we're going to take up offerings and we're going to read the Scriptures. I pray that as we do all of that, that we wouldn't get so busy that we forget just to be in your presence, just to be with you. It's not as though you need any of these things from us. We offer them because we really don't know how to act around you. We are in awe of you. We're a little afraid of you. 
And so we offer you what we think you would want from us. But I think most of all, you just want us to be. And so I pray that that would happen this morning. God, if there is any separation between us and you, if there's anything that we have done that makes that closeness of presence, that relationship with you uh, even wider than it, than it already is just every day, we pray that you would forgive us for that. that you would draw us near to you once again. Like Adam and Eve, after they ate the fruit and they, they ran and hid in a bush and you came looking for them. And you said, where are you? We pray that even in our moments of separation and sin, that you would come looking for us, yelling out, where are you? And that we would come out from our hiding places, turn to you, lean into your embrace. This is why you sent your son for us. We know, as we just sang in the song, without the story of Jesus, we wouldn't know that you're not in some holy of holies behind a, a curtain, that that curtain has been torn in two, and you are right here, right now. And our breath reminds us of that as we think about when you created Adam and Eve and you breathed your very breath into their lungs and they became living beings. That your very spirit flows in and out of us and through us and animates us. Truly, there is no place that we can go that you are not there. And so because of that reality, because in our heads we know you are here, but in our hearts we still believe you are in some far-off place, we have all these prayer requests that we, we want you to know about, and we want to, to make sure that we can say them out loud and make sure that that, that request gets to the place where you are. And, and, and even right now you're saying, I already know. I already know what those requests are because I am with all of the people that you're concerned about. I, I, I'm with Stacy right now in the hospital room. And yet it brings us comfort to, to say these, and you welcome those. You welcome those requests. So I'm going to open the floor this morning God, for people just to voice those concerns that you already know about, that you're already working on, and yet there's healing in just naming it out loud.
And so as we lift up concerns that we have, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Crystal Villalobos and Jessica Allen. Lord, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Alex Lucas. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. People of Walk 102 and 103. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Janet and Darren Reardon. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Valerie Johnson. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 My mother and Aunt Ruth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 Regina Finch. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Thank you, God, for letting us name those aloud, for receiving the peace that comes from knowing we voiced it. Now help us to trust that you have heard it, that you have it all in hand, that we are free now knowing that our sins are covered, that our requests are heard, to just simply be with you in this time of worship. Bless us and keep us and may you be glorified in all that is said and done here this morning. In your name we pray. Our scripture reading this morning uh, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, uh, you see the graphics? Uh, The Journey Begins worship series. We are beginning a new worship series called The Journey Begins. And I thought, you know, this is kind of a strange time to start a worship series called The Journey Begins because we are smack dab in the middle of the year, one of the hottest years we've ever had, in recent memory anyway. And I thought, you know, we've, we've been in this same church building now for how long, Frank? Any ideas? Six, seven, ten? More than that, right? It's not a new building to us. Country Club. Yeah, restaurant, right? So we've been here for a while. Uh, Let's see, I've been here for over a year, so I'm not a new pastor in this place. And I thought, you know, there's, there's nothing particularly new to call this worship series The Journey Begins. Uh, maybe we could talk about uh, The Journey Continues instead of Begins. But then I thought, well, you know, in the journey of faith and, and the journey of life itself, there, there really are new beginnings kind of all the time. There are cycles of things that happen, new seasons of life that pop up. Uh, I mean, shoot, we just started a brand new school year. We're, we're in that. Legend is now in the sixth grade. That's new for him. So that's a new, new beginning. By the way, Elena is going to become the new librarian at Northside Elementary starting next week. So that's new for her, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I just finished uh, kind of handing you a new vision for our church, for the future of our church. We talked about growing in grace and what that means. And so that's kind of a new beginning right there. Uh, December 3rd, uh, for Christians, and it's not December yet, but December 3rd will mark a new Christian year in the Christian calendar. Of course, January 1st, you start a brand new year. And so life is kind of built on these ideas that uh, there's always a new cycle of things happening. There's always a new beginning somewhere happening, and you just kind of have to look for that. And then ask yourself, well, what does this mean? Or how do we move forward? And sometimes, to move forward, I think it behooves us, it is uh, worth our time to go back and look at where we came from. To ask the question, what can we learn from our past that will give us fresh insight into moving forward into the future? And so I want to begin this worship series, Uh, The Journey Begins, a starting point for the journey ahead by asking you one simple question. Are you ready for that question? 
Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Now, some of you may be sitting there thinking, well, Pastor, I've been following Jesus for quite a time. I know the answer to that one. That's an easy question. Uh, and you may be thinking something like, well, Jesus is God in the flesh, or Jesus is the Savior of the world, or Jesus is the Lord of my life. You might be thinking Jesus was a carpenter. That might be your answer. But see, Jesus had spent a few years with His disciples. I don't know what year we are with them now in the Gospel of Matthew, but if He was with them for three years total, we're, we're probably coming to the end of that. So He's been with the disciples for quite some time. And really, through this whole time as you're reading the Gospel of Matthew, uh, they, they, they speculate. You know, there was this time when they were out on the sea and Jesus calms the storms and they say, who is this man? That's kind of their first, their first deal. Who, who is this man? And then, of course, we, we had the sermon where Jesus was walking in the water uh, and Peter got out and walked a little bit. And after they got into the boat, uh, they determined Jesus was worthy of worship. And so they, they paused to worship Him. But they still didn't really define who is Jesus as of yet. And so here in chapter 16, after walking with the disciples for two and a half years, close to three years maybe, he turns to them and finally asks this question, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And as you're reading this, you can almost imagine the gaze of Jesus. Jesus turns to look at you and asks the same question. Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Rabbi? Miracle worker? Healer? Angel in disguise? Peter, God loved Peter. He was the one that jumped out of the boat too. First one to speak up. Oh, 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 I know Jesus. I know. I know the answer to that one. Me, pick me, pick me. And Peter says, you are the Christ, which means the anointed one. One who has been anointed by God. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, good answer. Good answer, Peter. And on this answer, Jesus said, I will begin to build my church on this basic truth that you have just laid down here in answer to my question, that I am the Christ or the Messiah and Son of the living God. This will be the bedrock for the beginning of something brand new that will be called the church. And so we might think, well, we've got it wrapped up here. We've answered the question. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is Son of the living God. Great, let's get to work building the church. But this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Because I believe Jesus is so much more than Messiah and Son of God. 
We've already named some things that you might hear if you ask that question to a general audience. Who is Jesus? They might say something like, well, He is Savior. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is the bridge to God. Jesus is wisdom incarnate. Jesus is healer, teacher. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. We could go on and on and on and add things to what Peter has already laid down as the bedrock, the foundation from which the church will be built as Messiah and Son of God. Jesus is so much more. Who is Jesus for you? You know, that changes for me weekly. The answer to that question changes weekly. Is it for you? Do you come to know Jesus in a different way, in a more profound way? As you walk with Him longer and longer, does Jesus take on new meaning for you? This week, and I did not intend for this to happen, it just happened, but I read a book which led to another book which led to another book, and Anita, you know how that is, right? You just go down the rabbit trail, and I've been really kind of studying some of the newest theology, and when I say the newest theology, I'm talking about like from the 1950s and 60s, uh, you know, scholars from the 50s and 60s, just reading new ideas and concepts and theology, and then really going back to what John Wesley called the primitive church. I mean, I'm talking about like the first couple hundred years of Christianity and looking at what theologians were saying back then. And I was reminded this week and challenged to rethink Jesus' role in revealing God to us. Part of what we say when we talk about Jesus is that Jesus shows us what God is like that we thought we knew what God was like, but then Jesus showed up on the scene and now we know what God is like. So part of who Jesus is is this revealer, this one who brings flesh and blood and concrete visions of what God is like to the table. And Jesus told Peter when he gave his answer, he said, you know, Simon, you're blessed because you didn't read this in a book. There there was no teacher that laid this instruction out for you. You didn't get this answer that you just gave me from any external place. This answer came to you directly from my Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say, you know, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven And at first glance, it seems like maybe God is in this far-off place revealing messages to Peter. That Peter just happened to be standing in the right spot at the right time, that this message was zoomed down from some other place and and went right into the heart and mind of Peter. And he said, oh, I got it. I know the answer. And that somehow, someway, Peter now is going to have control that He's going to bind things and loose things and God's going to be waiting up in this other place to see what actions Peter is taking so that heaven can be in synchronicity with earth. 
But see, I was reminded this week as I'm studying Jesus' role in revealing God to us that one of the things that Jesus tells us in all the Gospels is that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, it's so near that it is within you. It can't be found out and around. You can't look for it and say, there it is, because it's within you. And then in the Gospel of John, it, he, he kind of digs into this idea even further. Before he's crucified, he prays, and he prays to the Father that Father, Son, and Church would be intimately joined I and them and me and you and they and us and we and them. And there's all this confusing language of God's relationship to us and where God can be found. And I think that we have forgotten how close God is to us all the time, which is why I started our prayer time off this morning by just sitting and being with God and getting some sense of the nearness of God. And so then heaven's distance, according to Jesus, is not a matter of location or miles or cosmic light years. Heaven's distance is a matter of perception, according to Jesus. Do you perceive it to be far off somewhere? Or do you perceive it to be within you? And so if we go back and read this, this encounter with Peter, in light of that, new things begin to jump out for us. Because perhaps what Jesus was telling Peter is that, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this didn't come to you from some external source. You finally got your ego out of the way so that what was already in you would become known. that you would have a greater understanding of who I am because you finally allowed that whatever part of you that keeps you from hearing God's voice finally drop away and you received what you had all the time. I think that that could be a plausible interpretation of this text. I think it could be a faithful interpretation of this text. And if you take that even further, that Peter, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, if heaven and Peter are in the same place, if heaven is within Peter, then binding and loosing is a matter of Peter's perception. Peter, if you are bound in yourself, you will never be able to hear what God is whispering to you inside from your heart of hearts. And if you will loosen that, if you will let that go, the sky is the limit. The church could be built. So if this is true, if the way that I'm reading this is true, not only is Jesus the Christ and the Son of the living God, but Jesus is the one who today, for me at least, leads me into a greater awareness of 
how much I need to perceive the closeness of God to me, to you, to everything. Today, if Jesus were to ask me that question, who do you say that I am? I would say you're the one who reminds me that God is not out there. God is right here, right now. That you are the one who reminds me I must die to self. I must get myself out of the way. I must silence my ego. As Paul said, the old self needs to die, right? You're the one who reminds me that if I want to commune with God who already dwells within me, I've got to let something go. If he asked me today, who am I? I would say, Jesus, you're the one who tells me that God's effectiveness in this world depends on my willingness to let go and let God. That's who you are for me today, Jesus. Holy cow. I didn't have that view of Jesus even a week ago. I didn't have that understanding of Jesus a week ago, or maybe I had forgotten it. Who is Jesus for you today? And so the way that I would like to close this today is the way that we started it in our prayer time. I'd like to spend some time in silence And I want you to imagine Jesus turning and gazing upon you just like he did with those disciples and asking you the question, who do you say that I am? So close your eyes. Imagine that scene as Jesus is walking along dusty roads no doubt making his way toward Jerusalem. It's hot, it's dry. Maybe other people are walking. You are there in the company of the disciples. Maybe you're one of the disciples yourself. Maybe you just happen to be walking in close proximity and you overhear the conversation. But at either point, Jesus turns and looks at you and says, who do you say that I am? How do you answer that question? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for reminding us you are not far off. 
that you know the number of hairs on her head because you are so close. You are closer than we are even to ourselves. You know us inside and out. We pray that as we journey with Jesus, as we walk with Jesus, as we count ourselves as His disciples, as we learn from Him, that our understanding, our answer to that question, who do you say that I am, would continue to grow and to deepen. That the foundation of Jesus as the Christ and Son of living God would only be the beginning that we would also come to know Him as that and so much more. I pray that as we dig into this series that we would grow in faith, that we would grow in knowledge of You, that our hearts would expand and the gap and the distance which with we perceive between us and you would grow smaller and smaller and smaller. Until the line between where we end and where you begin would be so blurred that we are unified with you in the way that Jesus prayed we might be in the Gospel of John. As we take communion, we pray that that in itself would be a reminder of the truth that you are among us even in simple things like bread and wine, that there is no place that we can go to be apart from your presence. We can carry you with us wherever we go. That we are your hands and feet in this world. And what a privilege that is. That when we face times of crisis, times of fear, that that gap would be closed. And rather than send off prayers into some other place, that we would just be able to get quiet and sit with you, knowing that you already know all the things that we're afraid of. and that you will not leave us alone. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Can you join the hand of the person next to you? As you do this, your neighbor to your left, to your right, you are all connected now by communion. 
by discipleship in Jesus, by virtue of your creation as image bearers. And as I send you off with a blessing, I want you to think about Isaiah's vision in that song, that God is so big, so encompassing, that only the train of His robe is in the temple. That's how big God is for Isaiah. So as you walk out of here, you don't leave God behind. God is out there. God is everywhere. God is in you. And so with that, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into that place where God already is and live as His faithful children. You're probably going to make some mistakes this week. And that mistake is not going to be what separates you from God. The sin itself is that you believe you're separated from God, that you can go someplace that God is not. That is the sin. But even as you do that, there's nothing that you can do that would make God think any less of you. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you anymore because John tells us that God is love. So that no matter where you go, what you do, God is able to look at you in amazing grace and say, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you can leave here believing that, it has the power to change everything this week. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen. Amen.